For me, the editor of London's most beloved website, Time Out, Christmas party season can be such an ordeal. There's only so much of me to go round. How can I be expected to be at the Coach and Horses, downing festive pints at six, and then make karaoke at Mascara Bar for eight? I'll tell you how. I use Freenow, the mobility super app. Black cab drivers can use bus lanes, which means I arrive as quickly as possible to bring the house down with my seasonal but alarmingly grave rendition of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. It's free now, yet again giving the people what they want. Now, just to check my invites folder. Still empty. Well, uh, any day now. Any day. If you eat the gimmick, your poo is rainbow. And that is from experience. Right, okay. No one wants to look down and see that, do they? <laughs> Good tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy, tie idings of comfort and joy. Uh, my name is Joe Ho Ho Makatich, the big dog at Time Out London, and you join me for a very special Cockney Christmas episode of Love Thy Neighbourhood, the podcast in which someone more jolly, more generous than myself, uh, packs me into their sleigh and gives me a whistle-stop tour of a part of the city that means a lot to them. One neighbourhood, four locations, they would give their own five-star trying to think, is there a, a Christmas star, I guess, the, the star of Bethlehem? Well, it's all getting quite uh, Christian. I didn't mean for that to happen. This is a non-denominational podcast. But in any case, they show me around four places that they like and tell me why they would give them five stars. Five stars, of course, is what we do at Time Out. Week in, week out, if a business, a restaurant, a venue's been naughty or nice, we give them a star rating that measures up to that judgment. Today... We've come back in the middle of winter to the neighbourhood of Shoreditch. Last time we were in this sort of neck of the woods, of course, uh, it was Hoxton in the company of the mysterious and handsome Darren Brown. Uh, and now it's a different type of Shoreditch, a festive Shoreditch. There's ironic tinsel and all the fixie gear bikes. I can hear block party outside, singing carols. The, uh, the stenciled graffiti murals on the wall no longer carrying ham-handed messages about the dangers of capitalism. Now they're full of hollies and red-breasted robins. So it's a different place entirely. And the person who has summoned me here, a very exciting guest, I think they sort of live and breathe London. Uh, interestingly, the last time we were here, as I say, was with a magician. My guest today was a magician's assistant for a while. She's a multi-platinum selling artist, Brit Awards to her name, a gaggle of top 10 hits. Uh, and was also a judge on TV's uh, The Voice. It is, of course, Paloma Faith. Lovely, lovely Paloma Faith. I'd go as far as to say a sort of London legend. Uh, she's so synonymous uh, with the East End, where she was brought up, so it's quite fun to have been brought back here in her company. Can't wait for her to, to show me about. Yeah, so let's, let's crack on. And uh, Merry Christmas as well. I'll, I'll say that at the top, just in case I forget to say it. Merry Christmas. Paloma Faith, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Where are we and why have you brought me here? Um, well, as everyone knows, I'm an East Londoner. So I've come to Polici's, which is like a sort of real anchor of the East London community. 
I'm basically across the board East London. So when I spoke to you about all my places, you said they were too far apart. Yeah, you tried to do a pan, a pan across cockney, the uh, entire yeah. thing. Forced you into a, into a sort of smaller area. But this area. is actually across the road from Bethnal Green Working Men's Club, and I used to do loads of early cabarets there. I also got married there when I was 23, which was a terrible mistake, and it lasted 10 months. What was the mistake, the venue or the marriage? The person. Gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, I was 23, and I got married in Bethnal Green Working Men's Club and actually came here as well on the day, and I had like a stripper jump out of a wedding cake at my wedding. And then one of my friends, who was a drag queen, dressed up as me, and pulled the person that I married's decapitated head out of a wedding present. Wow. And the guy's mum was like, this woman is not good, she's terrible. And that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> I suppose that ended up being a sort of future echo of what happened. But so I thought I'd get closer to that torment yeah. by coming to Polici's. But Polici's is like everyone in East London knows it. They're like a kind of Italian family that just cook English food yeah. for people in a calf. But it's like everyone loves it so much so that it's got merch. Good merch You'll see as on well. the walls, there's actual merchandise for the calf and people shout and talk to you and well, stuff. Well, they shout and talk to you for sure. I think, you know, they all recognise you. Paloma! There was a little bit of that, yeah. It felt quite Dickensian, it was nice. Growing up, were there any greasy spoons like this, like near where you live that you remember? I grew up in Stoke Newington. Yeah. We didn't really like eat out hardly at all. So I didn't really go to a greasy spoon because we just made it at home. But one thing that I used to like was the fish and chip shop at the end of my road, which was run by Chinese people. Right. Which is kind of like brilliant about London. Like this calf's run by Italians. Fish and chip shops run by Chinese. That's why I love London. Yeah. And basically the chi the fish and chip shop would you could get a Chinese and fish and chips. So it is the match made in heaven. And my mum used to let me go there in my pajamas sometimes in the middle of the night because she was a single mum. She'd be like, I haven't got any food. Let's go and get a portion of chips. And I thought it was such an adventure to go to. The, the chippy in my PJs, yeah. I found it so amazing and adventurous. Yeah, there's something a little bit like a sort of kid's book about that. What were you ordering with the fish and chips? Was it like vinegar on the chips, battered cod? Do you remember what the order was? Well, it was back when they wrapped it in newspaper and you'd eat the print. Right, yeah. So you probably <laughs> took in quite a lot so of newsprint print, in your youth. print, yeah, ink topping. Yeah, I mean, maybe you have that to thank for your, like some aspects of your personality are the result of like all the ink and paper all that the you words ate as a child. I, I consumed yeah. and yeah. now put on the, the page. Yeah. Do you go back there at all to like Stoke Newington? Because obviously it's, yeah, it's very different Yeah, my mum still now. lives in the house I grew up in. Oh, amazing. Uh, do you go big on Christmas? I get the sense you're a festive person. I'm massively into occasions, so yeah. I do all the occasions. Yeah, like any every excuse for an occasion? One. Yeah, decorations. I love the superficial. Right. So I've got like boxes and boxes of decorations for all occasions. Last night was my daughter's birthday, so I had like loads of stuff go up overnight. I've always got helium canister. I've always right. got balloons. I've always got... It's all just permanently in my house. I'm just ready. What do you think is like an underrated annual occasion that other people don't celebrate, but they that should? That we do? Yeah. 
probably like International Day of Kindness. How, how would you celebrate that around the house? What sort of, what, what sort of decorations are going on? Oh, just up? like affirmations, like little post-its to each other all over the house to say how much we yeah. love each other. And That sounds very American as well. And they say, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Yeah. I love what you're doing. Do you say I, any of those things? I feel like I'm like a cynical optimist. What do you mean a cynical optimist? Once I went to this guy's house, he was a composer, and I was doing some string arranging with him, and he'd married somebody who was like a sort of self-help type person, and there was post-it notes all around his house saying stuff to him about, like, remember you're beautiful, remember you're, you know, like, all day. And I went round, when he went to the toilet, I got the post-its and I changed them to, like, remember you're a cunt. (laughs) And then when he came back, he didn't notice. Yeah. And then, like, at the end of the day, he texted me and he was like, what the hell have you done? My wife's in bits. Yeah. She's so devastated. It would have been good if we didn't notice full stop. And then <laughs> you m- were months- born an arsehole and you'll continue to be one. Months later, he just goes, why is everyone's <laughs> self-esteem so low around this house? It's just, like, seeped into our brains. One of the things that's weird these days about, like, maybe in your industry as well, because it's, like, pan-Atlantic, you know, you're dealing with Americans and stuff. The working practices of like America compared to Britain, the personalities are so massively different. You know, yeah. I think people over there, they take their jobs so super seriously and they don't really have a sense of humor about themselves in the same way. I don't want to generalize, but at the same but time, do it does save time. you think they work harder? They act like they do, for sure. They'll, they'll I think they do what my daughter does. She says to me that when the teacher says tidy up, she always gets put on like the good list for helping. But she says, all I do is just walk around really fast. Right, yeah. That's what I think Americans do. <laughs> yeah, they just walk around really <laughs> they fast. They do what my daughter does. <laughs> do you know what? She's really, she's onto something there. She's like, I just walk around really and then I get a sticker. <laughs> yeah, that's what. The next time, the next time at work that I sort of clock someone as being a person that looks like they know what they're doing, I'm going to say, you know what you do? You just walk around really fast. That makes you look busy, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And you're going to get a sticker. <laughs> does she know what she's getting for Christmas, daughter? No, because my daughter doesn't get any presents from me. They're all from Santa. I see. I'm really weirded out by children. These days, because (laughs) 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 because I went to my my daughter's party the other day, I was invited, and they were all just screaming if they didn't win. Oh, and I feel like there's this like weird culture of like just they get too much stuff, and they're also rewarded for very little all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like confused because oh look, what's this? Oh, we've been given a plate of some sort of snacks. Thank you very much. Is bread it, pudding, bread yeah. Pudding. Thanks. That's very kind. I'll Cheers. have a bit. Yeah, a little bit Let's of bread try pudding. that. That's so nice. The kids are being rewarded. Um, yeah, they're just like, and then they scream and shout if they don't get. I'm gonna talk with my mouth full. No, that's absolutely really... fine. Yeah, this isn't a podcast with good manners. Oh, it's delicious. I'll have a go. Pelucci's bread pudding. Mmm, good, isn't it? Do you want to give it a star rating? Because this is time out. You can. I've never actually eaten much bread pudding in my life, but no. this is good. Out of five? Four. Four stars, that is a good rating. We reserve a star just for mm. just for the fact that I've never eaten bread pudding before. It's very crispy at the top. Mm. It's really nice, yeah. But yeah, so I think the Christmas thing, I tend to do like a stocking in the old-fashioned sense where I put lots of little bits in it. Oranges and nuts and things like that. Well, not oranges and nuts, but like little toys, a few socks, you know, like that vibe. I don't want them to become like arseholes. And everyone expects a pop star's child to be an arsehole, don't they? 
So I'm really going against it. In fact, I think they get less than most kids. Do you know what? <laughs> not for me to I say. I don't want them to be tight, though. Not for me to say about whether people expect a pop star's kids to be arseholes, but I think, yeah, we do. <laughs> you do? I know. You'd be yeah. like, oh, spoiled brat. I think we probably have to move on in a minute. Um, okay, we're going to another location. Yes, on our Cockney Magical Mystery Tour of the East End. But yeah, should we crack on? Yeah. Okay. Bosh. Ho, ho, ho. Cheerio. Ciao, Ciao. Thank you very much. Please don't take a picture of me in this coat. <laughs> From where I'm sat, it looks like a lovely coat. It's literally coat, but... very, very practical, and I do not condone practicality on any level. You think, yeah, your personal brand is impractical. Yeah. Yeah, proudly impractical. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody that I used to know gave me the slogan, comforts for cunts. Comforts for cunts. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> he was like an old Soho right? He's still around and he's like sort of a jazz and he's named Jake Vegas and he lives in Soho. Is he and one of the men that you see in Trisha's sometimes? Yes, he actually DJs Trisha's. Oh, I think I know who you mean. Yeah, okay, Pretty carry sure. on. Yeah, him. He's like, comforts for cunts. <laughs> it's quite no, a cryptic statement. I'm not entirely sure what he said, means. He said, you've always got to dress like you're going to go out because you might. Right, I see. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's what he told me. And I always did. But since having children, it's been less that. Right. Like, I just tend to be seen, quite frankly, in really appalling clothes like you know puffer coat like at school pickup puffer coat comfortable shoes it's absolutely it's blasphemy for me well maybe i'm ashamed of myself what i've become that's uh, i think you're being very harsh <laughs> on yourself here um because I, I don't know if, if what you're wearing now is meant to be sort of comfort clothing it still looks very very no, elegant to me this is an effort this okay. is mild effort medium level effort but if you saw me at school pick up and drop off you may not recognize me right okay you've not taken kids to eat yet not yet no. no you think they'd like it i mean my kids love going to the cafe they call it the cafe cafe can we go to the cafe but they can't differentiate between a greasy spoon and a posh restaurant they call them all the cafe wow so they're sort of egalitarian sort of like no judgment from them everywhere's yeah, the same just, they're all a cafe yeah what posh restaurants do you sort of favor these days um, I do quite like sitting at the bar in Jay Sheiky. Jay Sheiky is a classic. Because it's got the word yeah. chic. Yeah, it's, it's in the name. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's right there in the name. It's just there. It just makes you feel automatically chic as you walk in. Yeah. It's a very old school jewellers and pawnbrokers are walking past right now. I know. It's uh, quite good for a little... I love a little um, Lucky Charm pendant, you know, a gold pendant. Yeah. I'm but looking for one in there. Christmas for my sister. This looks like a good place to go. It's Attenborough Jewellers and Pawnbrokers. They're quite strange places, pawnbrokers, aren't they? They sort of have the whiff of you like... You just don't know what the person who's given it up has gone through to yeah. get... It makes this sort of guilt-inducing purchases. A little bit. You feel a bit like a sort of scavenger of human but, sorrow. But it's also good because they need the money so they'll come back and get their money, won't they? That's true, yeah. It's the lies that we tell ourselves when we're sort of buying stuff at the pawnbrokers. <laughs> I just realised that coffee place there is the... Um, in the episode of this podcast with Bimli Bomboulash, they nominated Fuck Coffee as their favourite coffee place. What's it called? Uh, Fuck Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I think you knew what it was called. You just wanted me to swear. 
swear on the microphone. <laughs> I began swearing publicly recently because I'm doing quite well on TikTok. Yes. I'm having a resurgence on TikTok. Oh, amazing. Yeah, and how do you find it? it's all down to me swearing regularly. People love hearing me swear. Shall I do a bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, what kind of swearing would you do? Very straightforward situation. You stubbed your toe. Cunt, shit, asshole. Sodding, well, that's all bastard bitch. That's good. Yeah. That's just for the listeners, because people love me swearing. Well, you what you can do if you listen to that, <laughs> you could chop that up and have it as a, a Paloma Faith swearing soundboard, <laughs> and choose different swear words for different occasions. Yeah. So, uh, do you find that the uh, the TikTok audience sort of different from audiences you've had in the past? So, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they're much much younger. I feel like they've got a sense of humour, and I feel like everyone on. The other f- platforms yeah. are a bit serious and they're always angry and sensitive. Yes. Whereas TikTok, I can just go on there and be myself and no one's offended. That's true, yeah. I can't work out whether I've become more sensitive or people have become more horrible. What Ooh. do you think it is? Uh, I think in some situations people are more horrible now, yeah. Uh, and everyone thinks their opinion matters. Yeah. And do you remember when we were young? I don't know how old you are, you're probably 25 but with a beard and that makes you look older. No, I'm uh, I'm 1983. But when we, were, when we were younger, people just didn't say mean, mean shit. stuff. No, they didn't. And we were taught not to. And also we thought our opinions didn't matter. Right, yeah. Which was a great place to be. <laughs> it's also objectively, objectively true. I mean, like, not only do my opinions on, you know, what I want to eat for breakfast not matter. I mean, my opinions on like global politics definitely don't matter it's all quite existential though isn't it because what does matter oh my god I think that's we're ants we're ants a bit too much perspective right there <laughs> here we are we're, we're just round the corner on brick lane do you have any idea at this point in time why one of these bagel shops is so much more popular than the others when i was young they isn't were both, it just the longest standing one they're both pretty long standing there's a there's a big history you can read about it on on time out but, but it's for some like reason, number one and sloppy seconds. Yeah, it's a bit sloppy when seconds. When you can't be bothered to queue. I just don't understand why that one gets all the plaudits now. I'll give you some Is it info on it. Okay. The sloppy seconds bagel shop had to bring out the rainbow bagel to compete because they need some sort of thing that the other bagel doesn't have. A but gimmick. if you eat the gimmick, your poo is rainbow. If you eat the gimmick... And that is from experience. Right, okay. No one wants to look down and see that, do they? <laughs> and you start to worry, how long is this going to go on for? But it's only a day. And also, what have they dyed it with that would just, you know, it's not It's gone actually... through you and can, and dyed your entire insides. Yeah. Rainbow. I mean, maybe that's why they don't have a big queue now, is because <laughs> people experience that. That's a very popular coffee place. Hello! <laughs> You're right, love. I'm just in the middle of something. Oh, go on then. Do you mind pausing? <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's fine. If your girlfriend loves me, then yeah. Paloma's been stopped by a man in a white van. Yeah. Can you sing it to me? No, I, I, I like the other one. You just can't rely on you. Yes, you've got taste. That's, I prefer that That's one as well. One, That's the best one. Yeah. That's a great song. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Have a lovely day. <laughs> oh, that was nice. He was a like, real fan as well. He actually sung a better song than Lullaby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Rainbow Bakery. That used to be the cereal cafe. It didn't last very long, did it? I felt really sorry for those two guys. People just sort of focused on them as a kind of like annoying extreme of hipsterism. <laughs> and then there were the, I think at some point their shop got smashed up. 
I like that you call it hipsterism. Yeah. It's like a lifestyle choice. I think they were just two hardworking lads from Ireland who came and sort of started their own business. And we're nostalgic about cereal. Yeah, I mean, it is silly to be nostalgic <laughs> about cereal. I do, but there's a lot of silly stuff in life, isn't it? It's okay to... I don't know about it being silly, because I think it's like, a ch it's childhood memories, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little bit kind of um, infantilizing, I think. Okay, we've just arrived at our second location on Brick Lane. Do you want to say where we are? Rocket Vintage. Rocket Vintage, yeah, it's the big one, uh, just after the bridge on Brick Lane. This one and Beyond Retro were my two go-tos when I was younger yeah. because I started out, as I said about Bethnal Green Workmen's Club, in the cabaret circuit, involved a lot of costumes and I couldn't sort of find what I needed in mm. high street shops and I was really into vintage. Should we walk inside and have yeah. a little potter about? have a look but yeah. it's sort of reflective of the trends isn't it because like these flannel shirts are definitely not what I used to no. be into I was a bit more into like a bit of sparkle and a bit of like 50s and 60s glamour yeah it's all quite boring if I'm honest but I do find fashion at the moment very boring and I also hated the 90s when it happened and it's come now back now it's come back yeah and it's so depressing because I hated it the first time and I still hate it what do you associate with the 90s it was just bad cuts, and it wasn't flattering. It doesn't suit my body. I think... Um, right. Oh, I like a baggy jean, though. I like these. Yeah, they're good. We're looking at the jean right um, now. I like them for school pickup. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an entirely <laughs> separate persona? School yeah, pickup Paloma? Yeah, school pickup's like slouchy, doesn't care Paloma. Yeah. And then, then I've got glamorous Paloma. Yeah, and never the two shall meet. No, never. You know what? I'm going to buy you a Christmas present in here that's going to get you out of the clothing comfort zone. Okay. Something that we're gonna out of my comfort zone. Yeah, out of the comfort zone, but something that you actually do like, uh, and you can wear it all throughout winter. And we're gonna we're gonna look at some items that maybe you wouldn't normally look at. Oh, what about these glasses? These okay, good. good idea. Yeah, glasses. What that's, do you that's, think? That's, that's safe. Oh shit! We've dropped a pair. What do you think? Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're nice. Yeah, they're, they're quite <laughs> sort of Mickey Mousey, if you know what I mean. Why don't you try these? As I'll well. try these ones. Yeah, I like those for you. They're quite tight around my massive head. Yeah. I think they're the best one on the rail. Okay, yeah, let's get two pairs of these and the cap then. Um, hello, please may I have uh, two pairs of sunglasses <laughs> and, a, and a cap? Thank you for my present. You're welcome. I'm eternally grateful. I found some small change in my pocket. Hmm. Do you want some? I don't know, I mean, what I would even do with that in this day and age. That's the price of the cat, that three pounds. Yeah, but then if I take that, it's no longer a present. As I say, I want to leave every episode with someone owing me a favour. That's what yeah. I want. You always give to receive. Yeah. OK, well, I think Bye. we're off. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank yeah. you. See you later. Cheerio. People often ask me, what's my biggest weakness? I'd have to say, my limitless generosity. For example, when Christmas shopping in Central, I'm grabbing everything. Decorations from the twinkly bit in Liberty, maybe a hamper of fine meats and cheeses from Lena stores, and of course, some novelty reindeer ears from my beloved hairy canine son, Cronus. Before I know it, I'm literally weighed down with bags of my own human kindness. Luckily, wherever I am, Free Now is there for me. I use it to summon London's black cabs, making full use of the door-to-door -door pick up and drop-off service. Free now, the Mobility Super app. It's like Santa's sleigh if it was driven by a cheerful cabbie. I think it's quite sweet that you appear to give off the vibe that you're heartless. Yes. And 
actually you're really, really sweet. Do I give off the vibe that I'm heartless? Well, I think you give off this kind of like flippant vibe. Oh, yeah. But actually really cared about that shop owner's feelings. Oh. Um, that was kind of endearing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say, really. I'm not, well, you don't it? have to say anything. Quite Just shaken. Take like, it. I give off a heartless vibe. <laughs> take sounds, it in the bum. I'll take it in the bum. Yeah. <laughs> One in the bum. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed, by the way, your turn in youth. You know, the Sorrentino film. Oh, thanks. Yeah. How did that come about? I know that's, that's probably the first real journalistic question I've asked today. <laughs> but how did it come about? Um, well, I was a massive fan of La Grande Bellezza, The Great Beauty. Yeah. And. Um, Obviously Fellini, who was very much an influence, I think. And then I got just a phone call saying, Sorrentino's doing a film. He wants to ask you if you'll do something a little bit uncomfortable, which involves putting yourself down Mm -hmm. as you, as opposed to an actor. And I was like, I don't really care what Sorrentino wants me to do. I'll do anything. (laughs) And then regretted it immediately because I thought maybe he's edging into porn or something. I see, yeah. Luckily he wasn't. I like the fact that you said yes before even asking what it is. Yeah, I did. And then I spoke to him and he was like, oh, you've basically got to put you and your entire career choice and life down by saying that there's nothing worse than being a pop star. And so I did it, because it's, it's him. Fantastic to watch though, and the video, you know, the sort of... Um, weird video. But it's, but it's also, it's really, really good, the video. Weird, but, <laughs> but excellent. When I saw it, I didn't know that you were in it, so it sort of threw me, but it kind of fit really, really well. I loved that film. And obviously The Great Beauty I, as well. I very, very rarely accept, like I get quite a lot of offers all the time to play myself or to like, be a singer in a thing and I always say no because I'm like no I actually want to act and be taken seriously as as an actor and like I did Pennyworth and stuff for ages yeah and that was no singing involved so it's two completely separate things but yeah but with that because it was him like there were a few directors that you would just do anything for I don't really mind what they asked me to do if he'd have said Paloma, my next film is a snuff film where, where he says, we want to get you killing someone on camera, basically. Uh, don't worry, we've cleared it with the police. It's all above board. <laughs> but, but you are going to have to do it. Do you think you... I mean, if, as long as you know you're not going to get arrested, could you do that? No. Okay, couldn't do that. That's the only one. What about eating human flesh on camera? Absolutely, of course. That would be okay, yeah. I just pretend it was pork. I, I think um, some people react quite strongly to the idea of eating human flesh, but I don't think it seems that mad, it's does it? It's just more meat, isn't it? It's just more meat, yeah. <laughs> what and part? it actually feels like the only meat worthy of eating, really, because human beings are awful, oh. and animals are sort of innocent. That's so true, with yeah. with pleasure would I eat human flesh. Also, you think to, <laughs> to, to be eating it, you have to have sort of hunted a human. Wow, this could really, really ruin my entire career. Well, we'll make sure we don't, <laughs> we don't want to do that, I promise, yeah. But yeah, to, I wonder to what the headline of this one will be from the mail. Paloma <laughs> slams people that won't eat human meat. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just coming up to our third location. Dreambags Jaguar Shoes. I feel like you have a connection to it. Is that right? Yeah, it was one of the first bar staff when it opened. How good were you behind the bar? I did 14 years of bar staffing. Yeah. And I was quick, but if I'm really honest, I didn't charge for every drink. Well, <laughs> it wasn't your attention to detail that you were 
I was employed, employed for personality. Well, that's it. What was the area like when you first started working there? Well, it was, it was up and coming, but it was sort of unknown up and coming, and it was mainly Londoners that would come. Yeah. Um, not people from outside, which it is now, or city workers or whatever. Yeah. Because it was like a new bar, we were sort of allowed to do whatever we wanted. I ran a club night there. I did a quiz night. Oh, I amazing. did a comedy thing, which no one laughed at. I did, like, <laughs> yeah, loads of things. And I did the door sometimes, and I always got dressed up. We'd put on Halloween parties. We'd have, like, it was basically all of us, just, like, oh. not just working behind the bar, but it became, like, a sort of place where we made stuff happen. We all made a band together, all the staff. What were they called? Paloma and the Penetrators. And it was a 50s covers band, and we performed, like, all the bars in the area just doing sort of covers records and we did some weddings and stuff like that as well Paloma but we were basically the staff of dream bags jaguar shoes yeah uh oh here we are look at this old place we're here hi you're right paloma nice to hey see there you. my name's uh, hey. joseph hey nice to see you so shall i tell you some of the main excuses i'd give to people when they weren't allowed in yeah, I mean, that's a great idea, yeah. Imagine I'm trying to get in, and I imagine, if you can, I'm slightly worse for wear. What do you say? Uh, can I come in? That's me. It'd be like, I'm so sorry. Unfortunately, um, it's booked for a private party this evening. But to which the response was, you fucking lying bitch. Well, I would never say that. I would probably say something like, so, oh, no, uh, my, friend, my friend's having the private party. It's John. I, uh, can I come in and see John? I'd be like, let me just check, and then... Oh, no, I'm sorry, your name's not in. Can you call him? And then usually it would be death threats. I mean, you're quite polite. Be like, I'm going to fucking make sure that you fucking killed. I know people. Really? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God. Yeah, somebody friends slit my throat once. But definitely come to this bar. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, maybe those days <laughs> are over. <laughs> I don't think they have a door person anymore. No. Well, maybe, maybe the clientele's changed a bit I as did well. Have, I met some like, interesting people through working here as well. I met Jarvis Cocker because he used to come in. And then we ended up doing a song together. That was before I had a record deal. Yeah. Um, we did a song called Fuck Everything and Fuck Everyone. That's nice. He was like, do you want to do a song? He didn't even know I was a singer. He just asked a bar woman. Do you think he was flirting? Perhaps. Yeah, maybe. Um, but that's okay. But that's since normal. then, I've seen Jarvis Cocker in the Eurostar. Mm -hmm. and bought him a baguette at Paul Bakery. Oh, nice. And he um, felt really guilty about accepting me buying his baguette. Yeah, some people, they're not good gift acceptors. Yeah, but I'm not sure if that... Are those people good gift givers? Like, would he buy me a baguette? That's what I started thinking. Maybe he's never bought anyone a baguette before. Well, the fact at this point that he's not bought you anything suggests that he's not a natural gift giver, maybe. But this is his chance <laughs> to make that... You bought me a gift. I did, yeah. Is that because deep down you just want to be loved? I think deep down I just want to be better than Jarvis Cocker. You are, already. Okay. When he came in here, obviously everyone knew who he was. No, but everyone was cool. Like, at the time at East London was cool. Now it's not. Mm. But it was cool then, and everyone was, like, too cool to even acknowledge. Yeah. And he's a, he's a hard man to pretend you don't see, I think. I had some weird things where I, as well, like, once when I was working behind the bar here, I sent someone my phone number, like, on a tray with a drink. Oh, that's nice. That's quite smooth, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's very smooth. And he was actually a Singaporean son of the biggest wicker company in the world. <laughs> that lasted a couple of months. We didn't sleep together. 
I, I no, thank you. It's, courted. Good that you po- it's good that you pointed that out. We yeah. courted. You courted, yeah. <laughs> Your life could have been so different as part of I could have ended up as like the top dog of the Wicker Company. The Wicker company. Woman. <laughs> the yeah, Wicker the Wicker Woman. woman. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad that the relationship remained platonic. Well, to years extent. later, when I was working in Agent Provocateur Soho, he came in without realizing I was a member of staff there to buy underwear for his girlfriend, <gasps> who was way smaller than me. And he said, I don't feel comfortable telling you her size. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that shop job was the most amazing job I've ever had. But we had a mixture of like just normal clients. And then we had like people who had kinks. Right, yes. And we made friends with some of them. I made friends with Andrea, who was a very, very expensive, high-class transgender prostitute who had a Persian cat in a bag. And sometimes when she was hired for certain things they didn't like cats or they were allergic to cats she'd drop the cat off in the bag to me to look after and it was called Giuseppe what's my name the cat she was she was yeah it's your name she was yeah she was chic she was quite a chic prostitute and that made an impression and the cat was pedigree yeah and we had like people who'd phone us to discuss the surgeries that they were going to have there was one person who was going to change into Barry Manilow Mm. by cosmetic surgery this was like a brilliant time in my life yeah wait explain that again the the end point of their journey was being Barry Manilow Mm. wow wanted to look like Barry Manilow at the point that you met them what did they look like I never saw them it was all on the phone just over the phone yeah would phone in yeah I mean I can understand why he'd want to look like him, he's quite a debonair But we developed man. relationships with these customers that would phone us. There was loads of them, like too many to mention and perhaps not to say because I might put it in my autobiography. I see. But there, was, <laughs> there were quite a lot of really amazing people that would phone in. Yeah. And over like three years, develop kind of relationships over the phone with us. Why, why were they phoning up and not coming in? It was kind of like a place where people felt they would be not judged yeah. and perhaps they didn't live in London. They sort of felt like it was a safe space. I know that's a modern word, but at the time when it was happening, they, they, people didn't say that. Yeah, it, it, that would have been just the moment before internet shopping made all that stuff obsolete. Yeah. But actually you, you suddenly lose that human connection. Yeah. For all these people, talking to you or the colleagues you had was probably like a really, really helpful thing. It was like, you know, a cross between um, less lonely. Yeah, it was sort of materialism and therapy at the same time, like buying something and actually having a... But we're all so distant now, aren't we? Because we have, like, the internet and we do everything yeah. anonymously and there's no connection. And even when you do connect, like, a lot of people on the internet are lying, aren't they? That's true. Uh, soon we'll have a chat GPT to talk to, though, the AI. I've tried it. How did you find it? Really unintelligent, but then somebody told me you have to keep speaking to it in order for it to like pick up on what you want right yeah. but it just kept like i was asking it sort of deep questions and it just kept referring me to a therapist oh gosh yeah <laughs> it's well, like that's, that's a cop out yeah, or am i out. that bad <laughs> 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 one of the two yeah i think it's scared okay. of like 
it's it's probably scared of recommending that you do or say something that then in case gets, it's responsible for you committing suicide well responsible for you doing something or, or that ruins you know. your life and you can blame chat gbt exactly yeah yeah so they're they're, they're being super yeah it's, so it's got its limitations oh it certainly does yeah i'm not i'm not its biggest fan i have to say i hate it yeah i hate it too yeah it's bad <laughs> bad juju Having left Jaguar Shoes on our way to our final location, I just wanted to ask what kind of Christmas you're going to have this year, like an OTT one, a, a quiet one? Um, I don't know the difference. Are they all sort of quite full on? Well, I don't know about full on, but like, obviously, because all my music's about it, I broke up with my children's dad yeah. a few years ago. So it's like a navigation. And I'm actually, this is the first Christmas since we broke up that I'm really looking forward to because I feel like we've got into a really good place. Oh. And I'm quite excited to just be able to relax and not feel anxious about how to do it and all of that. It feels sort of like we really have accepted that we sort of are together forever. Actually, all eternity through our children, if they have kids and they have kids and they have kids and they have kids, it could literally be till the end of humanity that he and I are joined together. Yeah. Even in our death. It's and stretching through history like a thread. Yeah, and I just think like, I'm looking forward to it because we're getting on really well. And I feel like we've got to a place where we've sort of redefined our relationship and got rid of all the resentment and all of that. And we just get along really, we and like each other. It's supportive. And we're really sort of gelled together in the kind of love of our children. And Christmas is about kids, isn't it? So it's totally about I kids, really yeah. I feel really blessed actually with the breakup I had because my parents had a terrible one. Right. And my childhood was sort of fraught with animosity. Yeah. And I sort of had this fear that it might turn into that but so far so good I mean the things go up and down don't they but I'm quite looking forward to this year for that reason so I'm gonna have I think sounds he's ideal gonna, it sounds really lovely it is nice he's a good person we're gonna um he's gonna come and sleep over on Christmas Eve not in my bed anymore good I'm glad to hear it um and then <laughs> so he can wake up and see their like joy in the morning oh. but I'm really into Christmas my kids love the Christmases that I do right I have a lot of people come in and out and I've notoriously had a lot of people who don't have families and stuff like that guy we spoke about earlier who said comforts for cunts right who DJs at Trisha's Jake Vegas he always comes every year uh. to my house and actually I don't really see him at any other time of the year anymore I used to do loads but since having kids because he doesn't like children so it's a Christmas for like wa wa waifs and strays it's a waifs and strays Christmas and it's a bit like everyone's welcome and the more random the better like I, I have been known to invite almost complete strangers really yeah like paint a picture for me like the decorations the food what does it look like quite kitsch okay. like a sort of you know the, the trees full of kind of mad kitschy 60s baubles it's very bright colored my whole house is bright colored and there's no kind of rhyme or reason to, it's very maximalist of course i wouldn't expect anything um, less and it's a bit of a sort of revolving door right loads of food Every year I sit there saying I'm never doing it again, it's too much effort. <laughs> and then at some point I sit down and I just go, oh, I'm never doing this again. Yeah. And everyone goes, rallies around and gives me the attention I crave. <laughs> yeah, well, then it's all worthwhile. <laughs> and then it's nice. Oh, by the way, we have just arrived at our fourth and final 
uh, location. Do you want to say? Knock on the window. We're going to knock on the window. Do you want to say where we are? Yeah, he's shocked. We're at the old Blue Last, which is like the first live gig that I ever did. Oh wow! With Paloma and the Penetrators. That was your band from the bar. From the bar, yeah. I was an appalling singer at the time. Everything was sort of a joke, like an irony. Yeah. To be honest, if you were in an ironic band, then maybe this was the right area. I feel like it was sort of synonymous with a lot of irony. At the Shoreditch, time. Shoreditch, maybe, at the time, yeah. Yeah, and then it ended up being, like, owned by the most ironic magazine that ever yeah. existed, Vice, who was so sarcastic, weren't they? That was how they began. It, it was, was like the bitchiness at the beginning, wasn't it? It was the bitchy magazine. It was what was referred to at the time as, as snark. And snark, it's true, that, was a, that is a, it's a technical term, snark. And snark was temporarily very in fashion because it is funny when it's done well. Yeah. Um, there's a few writers who I count as friends that were of that era, very, very good at it. And then suddenly snark went incredibly out of fashion because it suddenly all became, you know, about feelings. Gen Z was mm. about being honest with yourself and doing self-improvement and sort of self-love and all these really wonderful, wholesome things. And just being a sort of snide, snarly writer bitching about the Zootons or something just wasn't cool anymore. Like no one, no one, one needed or wanted that. One of the greatest reviews that I've ever read about myself was a snark review. It was in the NME. I had it framed and they said, sometimes you go into a sweet shop and see a delicious chocolate bar wrapped in tin foil and like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you desperately open it waiting to enjoy and savor the flavor and then you realize it's just a piece of shit wow that was about my first record yeah it's so that's, much that's, that's an example of snark but it's so easy to be and who's got the last laugh well yeah i mean it's no longer <laughs> it, it's not around we should anymore. do it where who where are they now to that journalist it was you wasn't it it was me and it's so nice to be reunited yeah um, at this stage in the proceedings, I'm going to stop asking uh, about this area specifically and talk about London in general, mm. if that's okay. See what your five-star London is. Starting off, what is your five-star London pizza? A slice of blue. What's that? It's a pizza place where it's very authentic. I should know because I've got relatives on the continent. Right. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's authentic, but all the pizzas are named after, like, jazzy references. So a slice of blue would be a Coltrane. Miles Davis. Is it? Miles Davis is kind of blue. Oh, sorry. I, I feel um, that was a bit wrong for me to correct you Miles about. Miles Davis, yeah, I, should, I look airheaded now, so let's edit well, that. Well, I, like, I look like I was mansplaining, which is even worse. Mansplaining jazz to a jazz singer. <laughs> no one needs that in their I life. Don't mind. I don't mind getting muddled up between Miles and John. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Both legends in their own right. Yeah. But uh, there are lots of those references there. Well, the pizza itself is glorious. Where is it, did you say, exactly, if people want to visit? Well, the one I liked was in Hackney, but it just shut down. Oh. And I've been told there's two other branches that I haven't visited before, so I don't okay. know. Well, yeah, look it up. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, do you have a five-star roast in London? Clapton Country Club. It's a brilliant roast. I'm a bit competitive about roast because I do quite a good one myself and okay. I've got this theory that most of the time you go for a roast it's not as good as what you've made at home yeah this one is it's like just lovely they have jazz on a Sunday and it's live and you know 
what you makes... eat your meat and it's only three choices and they just come over and they just it's no fuss they just go which one do you want and come back with it there's you, no like fuss what makes their roast on a par with one that you'd make do you think i think it's the gravy yeah how are you making your gravy i use the jus mm, yeah <laughs> carcass jus and what are you yeah, adding to that bone like, broth isn't it bone that, broth. basically yeah. have you ever been to a place a strange restaurant that you would like because it's unique uh, and it's, it's a it's a lovely fun place called Otto's French restaurant the guy is a very eccentric older German man even though it's called a French restaurant and he's taken the 19th century art of the French duck press to London it's the only place that, that does it so you would order a duck or butcher it obviously cook all that and then the carcass is taken to your table so the jus happens at your table with this enormous medieval-looking vice thing that they place the bones of the duck in, and they sort of winds this thing, and the, and the, and the weight comes down. And they squeeze down, it out. And they squeeze out all the duck juice, and then use that as the sauce uh, at the side of your table. That sounds good. Yeah, so if you're a fan of high-concept gravy, I recommend Otto's <laughs> French restaurant. Uh, do you have a five-star tourist attraction in London? Madame Chew Swords. Interesting. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people would say it's overpriced. That's always been the it's thing. It's to do with childhood nostalgia. I think growing up in London, I thought that was the absolute holy grail of day out. Yeah. I could not think of anything better than going there as a kid. And I think I went twice in my childhood and I've never been in my adulthood. And I'm also really, really sad that I haven't been asked to be a waxwork. Do they have to I, get you in and do a sort of mould and things I, like I that? I don't know. I think they ask you and I feel really, really sad. Yeah. Like more sad than anything that I'm not in Madame Chusels because I hold it in such high esteem. And there are people in there. I'm not going to name names. Yeah. That are less deserving of the waxwork than me. You should go through every waxwork in, in there and say I've worked harder than them. No, they've worked hard. They've, they've also worked hard. I've definitely worked harder than them. Some of them are now convicted paedophiles. And they, it, there they are in there but as well. they've obviously been melted back down again. And you're a lot of things, but you're not a convicted paedophile. I never will be. And you never will and be. And that I'm proud of. Yeah, and that's what you're going to tell them. You could also say to them... <laughs> you can't use this. No, that won't get you. Of course that won't get you. Just don't worry. <laughs> what, what, what... <laughs> Do you have a five-star dessert in London? Bill Monte, the gelato place in... Gelato. Well, in, well you can say wherever you want. You're, yeah, but you're from that part of the world. You have, gelato. Yeah. In Soho. It's the best ice cream in London that double pistachio flavours banging. Yeah, double pistachio. All right, sounds good. Uh, well, Ralph, do you have a five-star restaurant in general? Um, I really like... Sacos and Charcoal. Yes, amazing. West London. Yeah, Maryland Road. Yeah. And Zen, who owns it, I've known him for years, and I love him because he's got, like, his, his sons always work there, and then his son's mates work there, and they still do sometimes, like, when they they still have other lives, but then they come back occasionally. They're like, oh, just doing a month here. One of them's now an actor, and he's, like, just doing it in between work. Like, really amazing sort of family feel. Well... And, it's not only your favourite restaurant, it's also my parents' favourite restaurant because they sort of live near there and they've been going there for years to the extent that they don't really go to anywhere else. They're not really restaurant people, but they yeah. do love it there. If you've not been, it's a little bit like walking through someone's sort of living room to get to the restaurant bit at yeah. the back. But he's a lovely, lovely bloke. Isn't he? And the food is, is brilliant, like fish and the salads are all really good. It's Greek, good. by the way. It's Greek, yeah, yeah. My parents just call it the Greek 
but that's not his real name. It's delicious, isn't it? Delicious. And sometimes he marinates it in weird stuff. Like yeah. he'll go, I'll say, it's delicious. And he's like, oh, I tried lime cordial today. Yeah. He's a bit of a dreamboat. What, good looking? I think he is, yeah. Yeah, he's attractive. He's attractive, yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's a good restaurant run by an attractive man. And you can't say fairer than that. Uh, do you have a five-star music venue? Probably for memories, it'd be Hammersmith Apollo, which is now called the Eventim Apollo. For memories, because I've been to so many great shows there mm. growing up, and then I've then performed there myself. So it sort of feels like a full circle venue for me. What was it like to perform there, having having been there to see stuff when you were young? Really moving, like I was a bit sort of blurry eyed. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. When you are performing in like, you know, those situations that is, you know, that's quite high stakes, big crowds. Are you capable of like looking back and sort of like remembering all the sort of high points and things like that? Or, or does your mind sort of go blank? I think when I'm on stage, I'm very present with what I'm doing so I'm really focused on the lyrics focused on what I'm saying yeah. and that takes you back naturally yeah like I remember where I was at what what I was writing about yeah all of my songs are written from personal experiences yeah so I just yeah it's a reflective thing me doing a show does that make it exhausting to perform them because it's a personal thing that you're having to perform and like you know it's an emotional Not- well, I was talking about this a lot. So my new album, which is coming out February. Oh, we're going to mention that, don't it's worry. It's called The Glorification of Sadness. Mm. Um, is the only album that I've ever written where I'm still experiencing what I've written about. It's not in hindsight. Yeah. Because a breakup with someone when you've got children means that it's ongoing. So all of my other songs are kind of like reflective. So I, I might have put the, that moment behind me to write the song. Yeah. And so I don't feel like that emotional singing them because I think, oh, that's gone. But every time I've spoken about this album in depth or performed any of the songs, I get upset. So I yeah. need to build a bit of resilience, I think. Or not. I mean, that could be a, I don't you know, that could be a selling like, point. I don't want to choked up performances all the time. That, that sounds like, you know, you could advertise the gig as, you know, see Come me. Come and watch me cry in real time. Yeah. But for most people talking about... All you sadists. Yeah, which is everyone, I think, to an extent. You know. Thing. Well, emotional sadists, yeah. People like talking about people's breakups and, you know, their, you know, relationship problems because they're just... It's a bit salacious. At a very basic level, people are kind of gossipy and, and they want to hear about other people's difficulties. And they want, they want to see how other people overcome them as well because it makes them feel they can overcome theirs, maybe. Mm-mm. You know, do, do you think that, like, for most people, talking about breakups and relationship stuff is, is their way of coping, but for you, you would need to write music about it and perform music to achieve the same result? No, I think talking's good as well. Yeah. But when you're writing, you're asked, like, let's start the new album, and that's all you can think about. It's inevitable, isn't it? Yeah. I also, as a fan like the idea of musicians who sort of have these albums that just reflect one thing. You know, it's, it's not just yeah. here is a collection of songs that they were contractually obliged to write. It's like, oh no, that's the album when they lived in the wigwam for a year and did <laughs> nothing but, you know, do ayahuasca. And that's yeah. the album where, you know... And it's that's why it's called a record. A re- I guess so, yeah, a record. Um, what is your five-star performance that you've seen someone give in London? Madonna. When was this? Just recently, I saw Madonna at the O2. And I don't like watching at the O2 that much, but it was exactly what that building was designed for. Yeah. 
It was absolutely mind-blowing. I have never seen anything like it. And I've one of the first records I ever bought was Madonna True Blue album from oh, Woolworths. That's her Stoke best Newton record, High I think. Street. Yeah, and um, I'd never seen her live because like, when I was a fan, my mum would be like, I'm not paying that money. And um, I bought a ticket and I moaned all the way there how much I'd spent on it. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous, bloody daylight robbery. And then I got there and I was like, I'd pay it again. And then... Really? Wow. 100%. Yeah. She is absolutely queen of pop. She is so unbelievable live. Oh, she's cool. Yeah. It blew my mind. And I've seen a lot of shows and performed a lot of shows. And I was just like, there's no contest. Yeah. What is your five-star Christmassy thing in London? My five-star Christmassy thing in London that I always do is there is an estate agent on Stoke Newington Church Street. This isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. Called Location. And they do, you go and donate children's toys. And they wrap them up and they give them to children who haven't, parents haven't got money or are living in shelters or low-income households. And they're donated and you just basically wrap it all up ready and they go and give them out to kids. And I do it every year. And And I basically... Because one of my kids has got a birthday just before Christmas, so any presents that she doesn't like, yeah. we wrap them up again and give them to that. Oh, that's so nice. And that's on Church Street? It's on Stoke Newton Church Street. What's it called? Location. Location, Church Street. Go and give donate some wonderful... Yeah, go and donate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For once in your life, do something good. Mm? <laughs> Thank you very much, Paloma Faith, for showing me around uh, Shoreditch in what was the, the Cockney Christmas special. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Did you enjoy yourself? Yeah, I think you're brilliant. Oh, that's such a nice thing to say. I wonder what you're like in an actual relationship, though. Must be hell. I think it's the same as this, really. <laughs> um, you've you're been great give- on a podcast. Though. Great on a podcast. Bad in any other context. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was... Paloma Faith in our Cockney Christmas special. I hope you enjoyed it. It was really lovely to be shown around uh, Brick Lane and Shoreditch uh, by a real Londoner. And her new album, The Glorification of Sadness, is due to be released in February, and she's doing a big old tour around the entire UK, which I think comes to London, uh, to the Apollo, in April. So do book that now, because it will be fantastic. She's great on stage. If you've enjoyed this, do subscribe. Uh, very excited to have a new series coming out next year. A second series of Love Like Neighbourhood. That's what Santa Claus is bringing me. I hope you're as excited as I am. Uh, I hope your Christmas is lovely. I hope your mince pies are tasty. I hope your presents are what you've always wanted. And see you in the new year. Until then, love thyself and love thy festive neighbourhood. Cheerio. Even I, London's tireless cheerleader, can admit that some things about the city are objectively annoying. The Guinness being off at the pub, getting to and from Ali Pali, the entire concept of Fulham, and perhaps most rubbish of all, trying to get a cab at rush hour. There's nothing worse than being late for your most Taipei mate's friendmas dinner, knowing you'll be getting evils over the vegan turkey, all because you're striking out with taxis. Thankfully, I'd never be in such a hellish predicament because I use Freenow's advanced booking function, which allows me to secure a ride up to four days in advance. 
I'm the best dinner guest ever. I'll even bring overpriced wine with a stupid graphic design label. If you're planning ahead, choose free now, the Mobility Super App. So ho ho convenient.